Jesus, tonight we lift up your name. We give you praise that you are the king that chose meekness over majesty. That you chose to come in humble form, take the form of a servant, and give your life for us, Jesus. The Savior of the world, the Creator in the hands of common man. Lord, we are blown away by what your entrance into this world means for us and means for this world. We give you praise tonight, Jesus. Amen. Good evening and welcome. Merry Christmas Eve. We are absolutely honored that you all would choose to spend Christmas Eve here with us tonight. It's a pretty full crowd. I love, I love seeing a lot of people all packed in. I like, I like the not people on the fringes. We're getting everybody scrunched in here. It's how it should be. And I'm sure there's a lot of different reasons, a lot of different motives behind why you're here tonight. Maybe you're here because you're just absolutely amped for all things Christmas. Maybe you're here because you are making your family happy by being here. Maybe you're just curious about Jesus. Maybe you want to be with some community during Christmas Eve. Whatever it is, we are so happy that you chose to be here tonight, and this is where you're supposed to be. If you were to take a second, be honest with yourself, take a deep breath, would you say that you feel heavy? Does your soul feel heavy? Do you feel increasing anxiety and fear? Perhaps a feeling of hopelessness? If so, first of all, know that you're not alone. And it's totally understandable. There is so much tragedy and sorrow that we have to deal with as people on a daily basis oftentimes. There's so much tragedy and sorrow going on in our world. Maybe life's big questions and questions of meaning and purpose are starting to get to you a little bit. Maybe all of the evil and the wars and the violence and the division and the economic crises is just kind of weighing you down. I know I feel that weight sometimes. The state of our world and honestly our own existence as well can just feel overwhelming. And we can lose hope that things can actually get any better. And though I'm sure plenty of you are feeling something like this tonight, I believe that God has brought you into this room tonight, no matter what your motive is, to encourage you with the life-transforming truth and hope of the Christmas message. But this evening, instead of going to more traditional places like Matthew and Luke, in which we read of the accounts of Jesus' birth, we're going to be looking at Christ coming into this world from the perspective of heaven. We're going to be looking at the book of Revelation, and we've been going through a series on that as a church, and it's been awesome. I love this book. It's one of my favorites. And if you're not familiar with Revelation, honestly, it is incredibly weird. <laughs> and it's almost like a Christian fan fiction of sorts on the surface. That's what it kind of feels like. But the beauty behind this book is absolutely breathtaking. And tonight, I'm going to be spending some time talking about a dragon, because that's everyone's favorite Christmas story. 
And before you write this off as being like, man, this sounds like a Lord of the Rings book. What are you talking about, man? You need to know that Revelation is a book of the Bible that has tons and tons and tons of poetic imagery and symbolism that is getting behind or getting to a deeper reality underneath it. So everything that we read here is not meant to be literal, but is something that is symbolism that has given people for almost 2,000 years tons of hope, tons of courage to face all the things that made them feel heavy. And tonight, I know it can do the exact same thing for us. So we're going to be in Revelation chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, if not, it'll be on the screen. And uh, good luck reading your Bibles in here. Um, But this imagery, it's going to sound strange, okay? I know that, but trust me, there's so much power here. So verse 1, then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. And just to be clear, the I that that is referencing is a guy named John that lived in the first century that was a follower of Jesus. He said, I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant, and she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. So in this story, I think the woman here can represent several things. But the two that are the most likely, I think, to me is that the woman is a representation an amalgamation, if you will, of God's covenant people, out of whom came the Messiah, which is Jesus. But it could also be a reference to Mary, who in a way is kind of the person in the flesh of, uh, that represents kind of the hope of Israel because out of Mary came the Messiah. And this imagery of stars and moon and sun, it's all signifying her power and authority. And in Revelation verse three, or 12, verse 3, it says, And I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to the earth. So here enters the dragon that I was talking about, which is a wild picture of a dragon, if you take a second to try to imagine this. And how he is portrayed is all symbolic talking about his great power and the threat that he poses. And a little bit later in verse 9, we read who this dragon is referring to. It says, This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. The dragon here is symbolically portraying the devil. And I know that in a room this size with a lot of different beliefs, there's probably a lot of people who are like, a devil? Come on. And and I understand it. If you have a hard time uh, making sense of there being a God, believing that there is a devil is another leap that's kind of difficult to get to. I I understand that. I I certainly believe in the devil. I I had some times where it was kind of hard to, but I do believe he exists. And... Just to be clear, this idea of this dragon is not only talking about Satan, but this dragon kind of serves as a figurehead for all of evil. And it says, the dragon and his forces were cast down to earth. And a lot of people think the sweeping the third of the stars out of the sky with the tail of the dragon was a reference to Satan leading this rebellion against God, taking a lot of angels with him. And personally, reading that the dragon was thrown down to earth can help us make sense as to why there is so much evil going on in our world. 
because we're in dragon domain. In Revelation 12, verse 12, it says, Terror will come on earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. Specifically meaning he has little time before God totally takes him out. And out of his anger, and I am sure fear, we read of how the dragon tried to steal Christmas in verse 4. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod, and her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. Whenever we think of the nativity scene, we normally think of this really sweet moment, right? Cute little Jesus being held by Mary and Joseph, and it's this sweet night, and all the wise men come with their gifts, If you've seen that video, there's also the classic role of uh, door holder number three, right? But we don't often talk about how there was a dragon that was about ready to devour the baby, (laughs) right? We skip over that. But it's in Scripture. So I'm just saying we're missing out on a very uh, wonderful opportunity to have a weird yet accurate nativity scene in our homes, People can come by and be like, why do you have a massive dragon in the background swooping down to, well, read your Bibles, folks. (laughs) But this night, it was not peaceful. And though we love singing Silent Night as a Christmas carol, and we will tonight because it's a beautiful song, and while it may have been quiet for the people on earth, there was an assault from the forces of evil trying to stop this ruler that was to lead all nations and become the savior of the world. We see this in Herod the Great, who was a king of the time, who ordered the death of all infant boys in Jesus' village to try to make sure that this child would never see the light of day. This dragon was terrified of what God becoming fully human would mean for him and his plans. Christ's invasion of this world was the beginning of the end for evil. It was like the D-Day of heaven. It was storming the beaches of Normandy. It was the turning point of the war against evil. And though many believe God is one who is distant and apathetic if he exists at all, the true God reveals himself fully through Christ's coming into this world because he cares too much to leave us in the dragon's domain without any way out. He cared for us so much. He cared for the world so much that he joined us, became like us in every way, joined us in our sufferings, even to the point of dying on the cross on our behalf. To the marginalized, to women who at the time were seen as second class and property, different ethnicities, to the poor, the forgotten, the outcast, right? Christ brought profound dignity and freedom. Jesus showed us that everybody is a somebody, and that changed the world. It is the reason that our current year on our calendars is 2023. We're counting how far back we are from the time of Jesus entering into this world. It's the reason that hospitals and orphanages exist in the first place. It's the reason why some of the earliest abolitionists were people who were following Christ. It came from this ethic that all people were created in the image of God and therefore have significance. 
We would not care about civil rights in the ways that we do today without Christ coming into this world. The dragon was afraid of Jesus because Jesus is the dragon slayer. He is the one that started an all-out war on the forces of evil. And the devil tried everything that he could do to stop him. And he may have thought he won whenever Christ breathed his last breath in Jerusalem. But as verse 5 in Revelation said, God snatched him from the dragon as he ascended to the throne of God. Death could not hold Jesus. He rose from the dead. He defeated the power of evil and sin and death. And the war on evil is won because of Jesus. And Jesus is inviting us into that victory. If we read verse 10 and verse 11 of chapter 12, it says, Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. The dragon is defeated by the blood of the lamb. In other words, Jesus' blood gives us victory over the power of sin and death. Though our lives have been marred by our own sin and the evil that we contribute into this world, Christ's blood makes us righteous before God. As Hebrews 10 says, we can boldly enter heaven because of the blood of Jesus, which is so powerful. And we can have even more confidence in approaching heaven because the accuser, the one who is telling us who we are and lying to us, has been cast out of heaven. And the only words that we're receiving is from the Spirit of God that says, you are a child of God. We do not have to fear any condemnation in Jesus. And though that is such a good feeling, it does not mean that we will be without hardship and suffering in this life. Though I said the war on evil is won in our hearts, we may not really feel like that's true. At the end of Revelation 12, we read that since the dragon has lost, he's turning his gaze on all of God's children. We see all of the suffering of humanity. We see the diseases and the illnesses, the natural disasters, the violence, the wars, the injustice. We are reminded of how much evil there is in the world all the time, and we're just hit wave after wave after wave of it. And after so much of it, it can just feel like the dragon is dominating. However, as was mentioned in the play, The Hiding Place, the lightning of justice has struck. We just live in the silence before the thunder. Though the war is won, there are still battles going on all the time that we find ourselves engaged in. And in the midst of the trenches, we need to take a step back and we need to remind ourselves that the war is already won in Christ. The victory that Jesus started, he will come back and he will finish. We know that the devil, all death, all evil and pain and suffering is going to be totally done away with because our God is on the throne and he is holding all authority and in the end he will make all things right. And knowing where everything is heading and being covered ourselves by the blood of the lamb, it gives us the boldness to continue 
the invasion of heaven into this dark world through our lives. And since we are filled with the same Spirit of God that lived inside of Jesus, we are able to fight the dragon. The other way that the dragon is defeated in Revelation is from from what we just read, is by our testimony. It's by our witness of who God is and what he has done in our lives. And our testimony is strengthened by not loving our lives so much that we are afraid to die. And all throughout the world today, people are living the boldest of faiths for Jesus, looking at the prospect of torture and death and saying, bring it on. Because in Christ, what can evil do? What can Satan do to me? All the devil can do, the worst case scenario is we die, is we are killed. But we know that in Christ, death is just a doorway to everlasting life with a perfectly loving God. So may we be people that live with boldness and seek to share our testimonies, to be hope dealers to a hopeless world. And just like our Lord, through the Spirit, we can slay whatever dragons come before us. May we continue the invasion of love and goodness against evil that started in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago. I'm going to ask for anybody who is able to help out with passing trays tonight and the candles to go ahead and make their way to the back. Um, And we're going to do the trays for communion first, and then later on we'll pass out the candles. So just listen to my cue on that one. As we celebrate Christmas each year, what we're really celebrating is the turning point of this cosmic war that we find ourselves in. Similarly, each time that we take communion, which was instructed by Jesus for us to do together, we are reminded of this same truth. That because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, darkness has not and will not overcome the light. I know in a room this size, there are probably a lot of you who are going through some really hard times. Some deep grief with your families. Some fear about what's going on in the world. And I just want to take this moment, this encouragement, as as we take the bread and cup, to take a second to just look up. To think about where we're heading. To think about who's in control and the victory that is won in Jesus. And as we look up to see that Jesus, the God who became like us, and joins us in the suffering of the world and also saves us and delights in granting salvation to us, he is the one who is sitting on the throne of the universe that is reigning over all things. And that no matter what the schemes of the enemy may be, we know that whatever pain, whatever hardship, whatever garbage we see going on in the world is temporary. Because one day, our king is coming back. All kingdoms and nations and people will bow their knee to the king of glory, and we will live with him forever and ever. Let's pray as we make a toast to the king of the universe. Jesus, we thank you so much for coming into this world. We thank you for giving up your life as a ransom for many. We thank you for showing us how to love one another, how to see dignity in the eyes of the person that we pass in the street. 
Lord, I pray that you help us to be people that live like you, empower us. Help us to have your eyes and your heart. Help us to push back the kingdom of darkness and establish your rule here on earth. May we be a church, may we be a people that is known for our love, for how we care for the people that no one else seems to. And Lord, as we take of communion tonight, May we envision the great banquet that lies before us, where we, with all people of tribes, tongues, and nations, where we will gather together and share meals as friends in the new kingdom that is to come. We thank you so much, Lord, for your grace, for your mercy, and help us to be mindful of you as we take the bread and the cup in your holy name.